Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Uh, joining me this evening, we have John Anderson. Good evening, John. Good evening, all. Good evening. Happy to be here, as always. Yes, and, and also Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, all. How are you doing? Craig's on the old hotel Wi-Fi, so we'll see how long Craig sticks with us this evening. <laughs> it's what always a, a fun glamorous gamble, lead. A glamorous life you lead, Craig. It's... I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> people watching if you mean, live. If you like, sorry. I was going to say people watching live will, will notice the different background and those lovely uh, grey drapes behind you. Yes, uh, I'm in one of the uh, nation's um, uh, boutique hotels. Um, that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I have got the uh, the plus version of the boutique hotel room, which is uh, which has the lovely grey drapes. Got the grey drapes in the and the and the fold up bed in the sofa in the corner. Exactly. I was expecting Lenny Henry to actually come and welcome me, but he's not. Uh, he's not. <laughs> it's always disappointing when that happens. It really Good bre- always a bit. It's a better breakfast at the Premier, and I think because it's. Uh, you, you can you is it still buffet breakfast? The Premier. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was table service, and uh, while while um, uh, our friend Corona was around, but um, uh, now that it's just Omicron, we can and I'm in England, I can just do what I want. Dip <laughs> my, my hands in all the different things. The problem is because that's also the 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 favoured hotel for for my employer is because I'm vegetarian. I have to they have to cook the sausages to order. So, right. I like normally if it's buffet breakfast, right? You can go back as many times as you want, and nobody judges you, right? But see, when you go up and you're vegetarian, you say, "I want vegetarian sausage with my breakfast," and they say, "No problem." How many? And you say four, and they look at you up and down <laughs> with utter disgust, and you just have to steer them back and go, "I want four. Don't judge me." If it was all, if they were there all the time, people would go up, and you'd have easier four, and nobody'd judge you Aye. because. You do that, you're first serving. And I'll be favourite. You slap four sausages on there, no bother. And then be see, disappointed I, that you couldn't fit more on. Well, see, I could say something like that and people would just judge me because they can see the size of me. So I'm just <laughs> going to, I'm going to say that. Uh, although one thing I would say is that my, my wife is vegetarian, well, piscatarian, she eats fish, and so is my son. And we've decided that we, uh, over the last six months, I've been eating what they eat just because it's a lot easier. I've got a daughter who just, who is very much a, um, uh, she doesn't like to experiment in food at all, uh, to be perfectly honest. So she gets her own whatever we make for her, and then uh, uh, we used to have to cook two, you know, three almost three different meals. So we've decided that uh, we're just sticking with. Uh, I'll stick with the, whatever you guys are having, and then uh, when I come away to the hotels, I get to have my steak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you could never. The thing is, well, like when I used to when I used to go away, I never I, I never got lunch wherever I went. So again, Premier in breakfast. Yeah, couple of napkins, it. four oh, muffins. Yeah. Jobs are good in. Get <laughs> <laughs> your money's worth out the movie. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Not even my money's. <laughs> <laughs> Dread the day when the work gets an email saying, uh, "Mr. Black took four breakfast muffins in addition to his all-you-can-eat buffet, and he he asked for four vegetarian sausages. <laughs> How very dare you!" <laughs> Just argue back that I was trying to eat the cost to get the back back the cost of the hotel room through eating. That's it. Your company will appreciate that the efficiencies of what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we'll park. Uh, we'll, we'll park Premier and Breakfast aside for one moment. Uh, Jonah Lyon says four is for amateurs. I, I quite agree, Jonah. But you know, you've got to. You've got to give. A, you never know who's in the hotel at the same time. 
Jodie, you accept judgment. Judgment will happen. Like. It will. You know, you know, there could be people that you know I'm going to meet later in the day, and I don't want to, you know, be sat there <laughs> with six vegetarian sausages and a pile of beans in the morning. <laughs> and four muffins <laughs> in your bag. Although I did once have a job interview in a hotel, and um the guy who was there to kind of judge was, was kind of having a cup of tea, and they also had a Nintendo Wii and an Xbox set up in the lobby. And all I wanted to do to relax was go and play the Nintendo Wii and the Xbox. But I was a, a 28-year-old man, and I thought that would look unprofessional <laughs> to the guy who was about to interview me, so I would sit on my hands. Anyway, if you're watching us live, we're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, you can also download us afterwards uh, in audio format on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa. You say, Alexa, play Scottish Rugby Podcast, and it's us. And I've just set everyone's Alexa off again. It's always fun to do on the podcast. Mine's behind the door there, so you can't get to it. I've, I've, right. I've parked it over there because I know your nonsense. We haven't tried Hey Google. We haven't tried Hey Google play Scottish Rugby podcast, so I don't know if that brings us us or the official one, but if anyone wants to try, let us know. Anyway, um, so this week we've got quite a bit of news and um, some match analysis to get through. Um, I wanted to start with, it's not Scottish rugby news, but it's Scottish rugby related in that it kind of picks up on a point that we were discussing, um, I think last week, was it a women's rugby? Um, yeah, the, so, yeah. yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? Um, the, the Welsh Rugby Union have um, handed out 12 full-time professional contracts to uh, women rugby players who will be based in their, well, their equivalent of the Orium whether that is their professional uh, centre. So it's good Jazz Joyce is in there, a couple of other um, kind of big big names. But it's it's great news, Craig. I suppose the the concern as a Scottish rugby fan would be that this leaves Scotland behind or potentially does unless the SRU are, are, you know, are, are going to act quickly. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to be pro- proven wrong and you're going to be proven wrong and, uh, and that, the SRU have something in in the wings um, because I would really like that a huge amount. Um, but I am dreading the fact that um, you know Wales are getting their women's rugby to get you know side together, um, and they're getting their act together on that. And uh, the SRU once again are going to be at, uh, in the background. And, and as as we all know, we're we're one of the founding nations of of rugby and, and we're always looked upon as one of the founding nations of rugby and we should be at the forefront of um, of women's rugby and unfortunately we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a, you know, great for women's rugby. Um, I'm worried about the other um, seven or eight members of the uh, the squad that are going to be having to turn up and meet their pals who have all got um, contracts uh, and they haven't, but uh, <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, twelve is an odd number. But uh, you know, for for a rugby team, but, are you uh, sure? They... I don't know. I don't know if Wales have got players out with Wales so playing what, what in say, Premier Fifteens. What they're saying in the press release is there'll be ten professional contracts with up to fifteen retainer contracts. So really, they're looking at like twenty-five potentially in some sort of retained format for the Welsh national team? I suppose at this stage, because if you are, I say, and, and Emma Wassel, I know she's kind of gone, pro, she, has she done the Prem 15s? Yes, yeah. Ian's nodding. Ian's Ian nods. Good evening, Ian. Ian nods. Uh, I've, been 
I popped him on mute just in case he said he hadn't realised he was with us, so I'll unmute him. <laughs> I'm always aware. It's my awareness is good, isn't it? Especially as a professional driver now, you know, I, my awareness is um, really off the charts. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I think she's a nutrition expert. Emma Lassell. Yeah, she is, but I, I, I get. But she was like a, an accountant, yeah. so I'm guessing that there'll be some players for who, like, like to kind of suddenly overnight go from being in quite a highly played profession to here you can have twelve and a half grand a year playing professional rugby for Wales isn't going to be that an attractive an option. But but you could understand the union would want to kind of keep them on a retainer because you need some, I don't know, you need some bridge, John, between kind of going from a, an amateur setup to a professional setup and retaining the players that have come through. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on what, what that retainer contract looks like and how that is then negotiated with, as you rightly say, people's employers and things like that. So I think like, it seems to be a sensible approach of kind of almost like, here's your contracts for your really ambitious people who want to be professional rugby players. Here's a kind of, halfway situation for those who maybe it doesn't suit yet and then everyone else this is what you aspire to and it's just the first batch of it so I think I can't believe I'm congratulating Welsh rugby on being forward thinking and uh, you know seeming to get something right but they've, they've clearly got it right here and Scotland need to follow suit very quickly. And this, I mean, Ian, this this isn't like something that's been long planned for Wales. Literally, I think that's you know, it was raised as a concern that someone like Jazz Joyce was going from the literally going from the Olympics and playing for Team GB to not back to her full time job again. Given she's you know she's one of the best rugby players on the planet right now, and the you know the I can't remember if it was the chairman of Welsh Rugby or the CEO said this isn't right. We'll sort it out, and it's taken about two, three months, and this is what we've ended up with. Yeah, the new guy just sort of came in the door, you know, sort of like in a Wild West movie, kicked the saloon doors open, said, this is what's happening. The piano stopped and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the one of the excuses can be the whole COVID budget and all that, but if the Welsh Rugby Union can do it so quickly, why can't we? Especially um, bust. <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. Um, unless Ed Sheeran plays the Millennium State Principality Stadium this year. Um, I, like, like John was saying, uh, we don't want to get left, uh, or Craig, I can't remember when I joined in exactly. Uh, yeah, we don't want to get left behind on this. Um, we already kind of have. But the gap, I mean, England are just destroying everyone at the moment. The gap's getting a bit mental. Uh, yeah, and this, this is the thing that I can't, Understand. I wonder whether or not words have been had behind the scenes because a lot of the England players have said it's not fair, and they, and you know when they've said it's not fair, they're, they're speaking in support of the Welsh, Scottish, and Irish players. They're saying you know that we we play the Six Nations every year, and it's between us and France, and the other teams beat you know take points off each other, and that's it. But we you know it's not it doesn't do anything to kind of develop the women's game. In, within the Six Nations to have England pump everybody, every five nations. And it doesn't actually do the English players any good for their development either. So you would think that if, I mean, I'm probably putting too much faith in World Rugby and the Six Nations organisers, but you would think that as a product, the RFU ought to be turning around to the other unions and saying, look, we've got women's rugby's on the rise. It's the fastest growing section of rugby in the world. 
you need to start investing in this because it's not a great look for us to be pumping you every Six Nations. You need to sort this out. We need to come together and have some sort of plan on this. Otherwise, you know, all this growth, Craig, is just a complete waste of everyone's time. And it's also not serving the, the Red Roses either because they don't, they, they have developed to a very, very high standard, but they can, can't continue to be at that high standard if they're playing, if they're, they're pumping in tries, you know, and they're getting 50, 50 points to seven every game that they come across. So look at the, look at the, you know, the, what we thought was or having the number one team in the women's rugby world, um, the Black Ferns, and 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 there, um, England absolutely took them apart in the last two two tests that they played. So it doesn't develop their team. It doesn't give them the challenge that they're that they're looking for, um, as well as obviously, it looking. It doesn't. People are going to start. So it's it's like F one. Um, everyone was interested in in, in, in Lewis Hamilton. Um, at the beginning of his career, because it was a wonderful journey that he'd been on. But after eight, after seven championships in the best car, then and every every time there's a there's a race, there's going to be a, a Mercedes on the on the on one of the podiums. It gets boring and people switch off. Yeah, and with Black Friends, of course, I mean that you know New Zealand are now they've they've done similar John. They've handed up professional contracts. <clears throat> we're saying last week, so it's this is this is coming in. Scottish rugby really does need to act kind of now. There isn't there isn't any time to waste. Yeah, no, like absolutely. There's no, there's no way we could review this in six months. We could do this. We could do that. No, you absolutely. We have to act now if we want to. Like, without being like so. Obviously, England are so far ahead of the curve just now in women's rugby, and the gap, the gap will close, and the gap will close rapidly if other countries put in place the infrastructure to do that. I think, like. Women's rugby is almost an opportunity for Scotland to really reset and set its stall out to be a really competitive, successful nation very quickly. In that, the playing numbers in women's rugby, we don't quite have that level of discrepancy that you have in the men's game yet. So it would be really good to, for Scottish rugby to really just invest now and try and get some success and try and get to a very high level in the game and then build on that because, you know, it's, we've said before on here, it's success in these games gets interest. Scotland were struggling to have anyone attend their games and then all of a sudden they start getting a few results, start playing some entertaining rugby and you kind of get a ticket for a lot of more money in the men's game we would want to see the women's game at that level as well. So a bit of success, you know, they've obviously, they've got a big opportunity to get to a World Cup. If that happens, I said last week, I think that that's the crucial point. That's the turning point for for women's rugby in Scotland. I think we have so much interest in the sport at that point and it's, it's going to go from strength to strength. So big opportunity and not to be missed. We've, we've done this before with Scottish rugby when they've turned professional in the men's game and the SRU maybe didn't adapt as quickly as other nations did. So I really think some forward thinking here could be could be brilliant. Yeah. I think I did a, I did a back of the fag packet calculation at the weekend. I said, if, you, if you're paying every year a living wage, you get 30 professional contracts on, on the national living wage in Scotland would cost 705 
thousand a year, and that's allowing for a two thousand pound performance bonus per player as well. Which I, I know it's peanuts compared to the men's game, but it's 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 a start. And you know, even being generous, and that I didn't, I, I just assumed that the SRU you've already got an HR and a legal department to sort all this out, so they don't need extra costs for that. Um, but even if you're generous and you allow two million, the SRU had a ten million surplus last year, and that's during COVID. I know there's various grants and stuff going about, but you know, we'll get on to it. But crowds are back for the Six Nations, so money's going to start rolling back in again. I'd rather, I guess, Ian, I'd rather have this than another two Super Six teams. Um, yes, yeah, because I think um, more than anything, well, <clears throat> I mean, for example, the guys from Super Six are not going to jump straight onto the international stage, are they? Um, so you know you want a strong Scotland on an international stage, and uh, with regards to that, more than anything, commercially, it's a more lucrative market. So mere cash. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I think it's just a bigger market, and also uh, it's about time we did the right thing. Yeah, because it's not really you know is. that that's that exactly like Craig. You know, easy. You could you know they've already attracted separate sponsorship for the women's game, and it's you would think. That's how you put some money up, and somebody you'd imagine it'd be fairly easy to attract some sponsorship as well to cover some of the costs. Well, absolutely, and also you've got to look at you know they've just built a you know brand new stadium in Edinburgh um, that they can use for that they're they're trying to get more and more bodies into. If they're having a women's game there, um, whether it's a a, a, you know an, an Edinburgh rugby women's team or a Glasgow, it wouldn't be a Glasgow, you know, because they've been, you know, they have it at Scotston, but you're, you're, that's an extra, what, you know, say you get 3,000 fans there, it's an extra 3,000 fans coming through the door, there's an extra 3,000 fans going through the gift, you know, going, going through the gift shop, going through this, 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 the, the, the Scotland shop, buying buying a, a burger and uh, the most expensive burger and chips you've ever seen in your entire life, but, <laughs> you, you know, that there's, there's people spending money, and, and I don't. That's the whole thing I don't understand is that they're trying to attract more players and more, more people to to, to Scottish rugby, but they're 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 almost, and they're not ignoring it, but they're almost ignoring one of the one of the biggest growing groups that there is that there is out there at the moment. You know. Yeah. What do you think to the idea of maybe having the Scotland women's team be? Uh... Be like the All Blacks and sort of tour around the country because they wouldn't sell out Murrayfield realistically. Mm. But you know, this would give uh, people in Aberdeen, if you know, if they play in Pataudry, give people in Aberdeen the chance to, to see them in a more local setting, see the national team in a more local setting. Um, I, think, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, we've got we've got stadia out there. Don't understand why we can't use the stadia that we that we have there. You know, the, okay, fair enough. If you're going to have it like um, at the football grounds, they're going to want their their pound of flesh for for renting out the stadium or whatever, turning the lights on. But it's still, um, you know, it's still it's done it before. The it's still Rugby. taking the game, isn't it? You're know, still taking the game to to other areas. You know, like we you know, you know Highland have got a fantastic setup up in the you know the north of Scotland. So you, the, the, there's an audience up there for it. Yeah. yeah. Very much. Um, My God, did I make a good suggestion? You made a fantastic suggestion. Well done, Ian. Jesus Christ. I'm sitting down, sorry. Wait, has started with a bang for Ian Hay. He's pulling out suggestions. Oh, it's all hell from here, man. Sam Marsh on YouTube is asking what league the women's sides would play in. I think what we're going to do, we don't want to kind of let this discussion just kind of die just because the Welsh 
of Plato. I think this is a discussion we're going to kind of continue through the podcast in the coming weeks, and we'll 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 see what we can do in terms of maybe trying to arrange a couple of guests to speak to as well. But we'll we'll maybe get to that in another podcast and kind of talk about kind of I think we've mentioned in the past that the, the Prime Fifteens is, is maybe a way in, but we can without getting all Welsh rugby, but in creating Anglo Welsh leagues. Um, we'll we'll park that discussion for today if that's okay, Sam, and we'll come we will come back to it in another podcast. Um. Should we just touch it? Crowds are back for the Six Nations. Hooray! Yay! Which gorgeous person said in his preview that that would be the case? Was it you? It this was guy. John. This guy. You were all the pessimists. Do you know what, you know what it was? It was the it was power of McKinnon's export. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. I don't know if I can stop drinking this now for fear of... Uh... <laughs> Well, you know, there's horse tranquilizers and you're actually now going for McEwen's to keep the COVID away. <laughs> I thought it was for a, a Smirnoff seltzer this evening. Oh, <laughs> is it a hard seltzer? We have discussed it's, it's, it. It is a hard seltzer. It's, oh, um, where's, where's Alan McDonald's when you want him? Eh? I've, still oh, never oh, had an, I've still never had a hard seltzer. I need to get I've on. not either. No. How is, this how is, is he? It's all right. Um, aye. It's, how, right. how, it's stronger it, than the dark fruits. Well, I was going to say, how yeah, does it compare to strong with dark fruits? That's that's the benchmark. That, I don't, hey, if we're, what kind of bet? That's a low benchmark. Says <laughs> <laughs> the boy that's scooping McEwen's in the back. <laughs> hey, this is a proper drink. This. <laughs> Here's on your cheese. This is look. It says on the tin, premium beer. <laughs> Can't argue with that. I'll tell you a story about McEwen's export in the Patreon. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There's a reason to pay you three pounds. This is one. premium vodka mixed with, uh, with orange and grapefruit flavoured sparkling water. So, if it says premium. premium on the can, Ian, then it's, you know, it's premium. Sadly, who can argue American with that? It just says trademark registered. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, well, I, I, there's not much to say about crowds being back from the Six Nations other than it's a good thing and we're all very happy. Um, hopefully, and no, that... nobody has any tickets. Maybe has any I was going to say, maybe we'll come on to that in our Patreon special. Have a Patreon, have your hands in the ruck. Nobody has any tickets. Don't ask for tickets. Don't go begging for tickets. No. It's not a good look. Although, speaking of tickets, tickets are available for our live podcast on the 19th of March at the Biscuit Factory in Leith. If you go to the blog, um, there's a link there um, where you can have a look. Uh, early birds have finished, but there are tickets still available for that. Um, so that's going to be good. Hopefully, we'll be four or five of us there to present a live podcast. We'll be kind of it basically be the podcast, but on a stage while there's some rugby being played. So we'll do some live analysis of the the Wales game. I think it's the final weekend. So some fact, some analysis of the is it the, no yeah, Ireland, 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 yeah, Ireland, yeah. Yep. It's Ireland. It'll be a it's grand Wales. slam decider. Could be, yeah. <laughs> just imagine, oh, the state. I've got, I've got my hotel booked for just in the corner. We're all good. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. So we'll, we've we've um, the exact format still to be confirmed, but we will be there and we'll be doing some form of live podcast. It'll be a bit of match analysis for sure. We might have some a bit of fun and games as well. We'll, uh, we'll 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 kind of slowly reveal more details as uh, one as we know more and also as we uh, get closer to the date. So don't miss that. Um, let's talk then about the weekend's United Rugby Championship action. Um, let's start with I'm going to do it in order of 
in which the games happened. To be fair, so I don't want to be accused of bias. So let's <laughs> oh, talk you can, about... listen. We can have we can have five minutes to talk about Glasgow and then twenty minutes to talk about Edinburgh. You're quite welcome. <laughs> if you want to get Glasgow out the way? You're quite welcome. Well, I don't know. It's been a good weekend this weekend, so I don't. Nobody wants. To, I think this is the thing. Nobody's going to want to get anything out the way. <laughs> There's nothing to get out of the way this week. It's wonderful. Uh, so Ember Cardiff, then uh, Craig. That was a good game. I, I enjoyed. I watched it while I was putting up a blind. Nice, <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's it's good. It's good to have a, have a something to do while you're waiting on the kicks to happen, or you're waiting on somebody <laughs> who's been injured to uh, get get um, slowly carted off the field. It took me a long time to put up the blind because the match was so good. Yeah. Oh. It absolutely. Um, how can I put it? Cardiff need to defend. Um, where do, I don't know. Have they got a defence coach? Um, I was quite. Uh, but on the other side of things, the, the last thing you want to do is be unable to defend against the strike power that, that Edinburgh seemed to have put together. Um, it really was um, fantastic. And and again, um, uh, the the uh, the cult of uh, Edinburgh have been. The, the two main, um, well, we're going to start opening it out a little bit because it was Bradbury and Kinghorn, and now we've got Buffelli and Moyano as well. Um, and, and Bennett's in the background there as well because that he picked a ball up off the off an awful pass to score that, um, I think it was the second try or the third try, off with his fingertips. And I thought, how did he manage to get that and you know pick that ball up? He was absolutely fantastic. Showed his class. Um, and again... Sorry, it shows what confidence. Well, I was going to say it just kind of shows the difference confidence makes. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the, as I, I've been listening to a few bits and pieces um, regarding it, and and Pete, Pete Horn was talking on the um, uh, on the Radio Scotland broadcast um, after the Glasgow game, and he was talking about Mike Blair and how how you know Cockrell. Very much, and we have to. We have to. We still, you know, we're still going to mention Cockrell when we talk about Edinburgh because he did shake it upside down um, and and stop the, the the sort of the 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 tantrums and the, all the different things that were going on with Edinburgh um, and give them a hard edge. What what I did find uh, and what he was saying about um, Mike Blair is that Mike Blair has really just come in and made rugby fun again. Um, and and the guys are he's given them that confidence to play heads up rugby. And you look at you look at you know when they turned that ball for the first try, and it was James Lang. He, he identified the space, ball went straight out to him, and away he went. And uh, and it's that sort of thing that you know if you've got Pergos kicking the ball from the back of the the ruck every time, you're missing all of that. Um, and all you're doing is giving the ball to, to Cardiff to play, um, and you're putting more stress on your defence, which on the weekend was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to predict, I'm going to make a prediction. I think that James Lang has the potential to be the next Chris Harris. And he's a very, very quiet player. Nobody notices him much, but what he does is very effective and very good and allows those around him to play. I thought he had a really good game at the weekend. And I can kind of start to see what Gregor Townsend has seen in him. And I think we struggled, you know, when he was playing in a Scotland shirt, I think everyone's like, well, who's this guy? You know, he, he turned up at 12 and he made a couple of tackles and threw a couple of okay passes. But he, you know, he, he's not bursting through the line and doing amazing offloads. So he's no better than what we've got. But I think he he just looked very assured. And sometimes that's what you need. 
And I think he probably is doing a lot of stuff off the ball that isn't the kind of stuff that you notice, but helps those around him. Yeah, I, I, he's, he, defensively, I think he's doing a lot defensively. Um, and then you've he, he, also he's he's suffering, or he's or he's now um, getting the chance to play when he was at Harlequins. It's the same with Velicott when he was at Wasps. They weren't getting the opportunity to play on a regular basis. They were either on the bench coming on to to, to make a difference, or they were or they were um, not on the bench and they weren't playing. Uh, they were never getting a real start, and and now he's getting the opportunity to start on a regular basis along with Velicott. And they're and they're, they're oh God, I sound really dramatic here. They're spreading their wings. They're getting on with it. They're they're, they're seizing their opportunities. And and yeah, uh, I'm as excited about Edinburgh's backline um, as. Um, Glasgow fans are with Pulotu. I keep, I still cannot see second. Tia Pulotu. Um, and the same as you were getting with Sam Johnson and you were getting with, um, uh, with Stain. Um, you were excited about, you know, Glasgow fans were really excited about them two years ago, and, and we seem to be getting that opportunity now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, did anybody see the Sam Lana stat about Embra on Twitter this week? Yeah, the least number of penalties, defensive penalties conceded in the whole in in all of Europe's Europe. top leagues. Yeah. For they're the only team that are they're under fifty percent. Uh, so forty nine percent. Ember have only conceded forty nine percent of their pe- penalties from defence, and the next is uh, Stad Francais with fifty five percent. So uh, it's a hell of a stat. I mean, Sam's put that down to um, Callum McRae, John, who's the def- obviously the defence coach who's come yeah. from Sevens. I mean, you know, Sevens isn't normally an area where you would imagine that defence coaches should come from, but he's obviously well, done a very good job. So, so yes, I, I would probably counter-argue that slightly. With I was always really impressed when you had Sevens guys coming in. And the guy that, guy that jumps to mind, actually, is Lee Jones. So, Lee Jones, when he was... Uh, <clears throat> When he was a Scotland international <coughs> at the start of his career, quite early on, his defence wasn't wasn't great. You know, he was he was a strong attacking runner. It wasn't it wasn't a weak point in his game, but it certainly wasn't a strength. And then he went off to the sevens. And if you think about it, what one on one on tackling in sevens is crucial. You have such a limited capacity for mistakes that you have to be able to defend. And almost like Lee Jones came back from the sevens to Glasgow and was a very, very talented defender. And I think sevens is, again, it's going to be one of these ones we're going to start to see as things progress. You know, sevens has obviously brought a lot of almost innovation to to, to, well, to Scottish rugby and rugby as a whole in terms of attacking shape, in terms of innovation and things but I think defence will be the next one and obviously we've based a lot of our defence on rugby league patterns because of the types of coaches that have come through but um, I think it's really good to see and to be clear Edinburgh's one-up tackling is fantastic they very rarely miss that kind of first collision there's a couple of exceptions to that I'm not going to go there but You know, there's most of their players are hitting that first up tackle, making it stick, and that just creates when you're not having to throw two, three, four bodies in to stop a man, 
you're getting low, you're swiping them away, you're bringing the legs down. It's what we've all been taught to do, to tackle. And they're doing it well. So I, I think credit does have to go to the defence coach. Uh, brilliant. Also, maybe shows a wee bit more intelligence from the Edinburgh team than they perhaps have showed in previous seasons where they're aware of those defensive penalties. They're not giving away necessarily as many of those... Well, I mean, what Glasgow are very guilty of is those brain-dead, stupid penalties, not rolling away, getting getting caught on the wrong side, you know, coming in, coming in at the side, things like daft defensive penalties. Edinburgh are not doing that. So, well, that, that, that always that always caught us. So that was always that was always up until you know a year ago, even to the point of um, the the game that the only game we've lost this season at the moment and, uh, through the Benetton. That was, you know, I think we were like two or three penalties in a row and that ended up with us, um, them getting a, should, the last minute kick, you know. So Maybe I should say Edinburgh are not doing it as much as they used to. But then, I suppose, Craig, they've, they've, you, you're saying they, they did it, but then they fixed it. And yeah. that's the key. That You know, yeah. it's... Angus Thompson makes a good point. He says, you know, the, is that percentage mean that Edinburgh are committing too many penalties in attacking positions? And I don't think it is. I think you, you want... Everybody's going to concede penalties in a game of rugby. It's not they, like they've conceded eighty nine. I found the stat. Uh, yeah, they're eleventh. Um, Glasgow twelfth. So they have conceded quite a lot of penalties, but uh, it's eighty nine. Um, so they've conceded eighty nine penalties, although, but but no but, yellow cards. Whereas the Stormers, who are top, only conceded forty six penalties, four yellow cards. Yeah. I think it's it's where the penalty it's it's how where the penalties are conceded that matters, isn't it? Because if it's if you're conceded in defence, then it means you're under pressure. If you're conceding in the in attack, then it just means you you've done something daft. Normally, I mean, it might be that the opposition defence has got on top of you and they're trying to take the ball, but normally you're either holding on or you've done something. To Ian's point, you're very rarely going to concede a yellow card from an attacking penalty. No. No, nobody's going to say. Nobody's going. To, no referee's going to say to you that's your fifth attacking penalty in a row with yeah. a yellow card. You the next time that happens. <laughs> that's, that's it. You're on a warning. That was go. some serious caterpillar caterpillar rolling. rolling. <laughs> <laughs> that is the fourth time you've crossed in this last phase of play. You're out. I'm just fed up here. You're annoying me. Get... <laughs> you should have scored four tries by now. I'm really, really disappointed in you. Yellow card. Yes, God, on you go. I try harder. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk, uh, let's talk about, about Blair Kinghorn. It was interesting you mentioned Craig, uh, Pete Horn, um, who, wow, he's like, what a pundit he could turn out to be. I thought he was, I thought he was really candid, really open on uh, BBC Scotland at the weekend. But he was talking about Blair Kinghorn quite openly, probably more openly than you'd expect, kind of talking about the fact that, um, you know, he, he just signed a couple of one-year extensions to his deal, which obviously would indicate he wasn't happy. Yeah. But he was also saying, you know, that you know, in Pete Horn's view, Ian, from what he had seen in Scotland camp, he could turn himself his hand to anything. It's maybe that he just hasn't been challenged enough until now. Which maybe speaks something you know, to, to, to Blair Kinghorn's character that he needs challenging to play to his best, whether other players might not need that, but I suppose everyone's different, aren't they? Well, I mean, you know, he broke through, he won the, the pro, I don't know, was it still the 12, or maybe it was the first season or the, of the 14 when he won the, the Young Player of the Year. 
Um, and yeah, he broke out in the Scotland scene a wee bit after that. Then just seemed to plateau. You know, you just sort of saw the same mistakes, I thought. Um, and maybe, I mean, I suppose he's maybe looking at his position like, I'm a, well, I'm a specialist 15, but there's very little chance of getting in ahead of Stuart Hogg. So, you know, maybe a little bit of, of you know, have, you know, how much do I push myself? Uh, and also the fact that he wouldn't have been happy. Richard Cockrell, things with Richard Cockrell, as we know, went a bit sour. Um, so maybe it was a, just a happiness issue. Uh, but no, I'm pleased, un, unlike some people would maybe think, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to see he's playing well because I was worried that a very talented young player was going to fall off the radar. But, you know, if he's sort of reinventing himself. Um, still need to see, you know, he's, has he been don't challenged? Say, don't, don't, say, uh, don't, say, <laughs> don't say, don't say he hasn't played in big games, Ian. I'll be getting letters. No. <laughs> From me. <laughs> Strongly worded emails are plenty. I think you, you, you do find, though, you know, and, and I'm very... I'm very wary of comparing him to other tens that we have, but he he does give he is a totally different ten um, to the tens that we have, and he will be an excellent World Cup squad member because you can bring him on, you know. Because for me, in in my opinion, um, he is a far stronger um, foot, um, how could it, ball in hand attacking ten than. Finn and uh, and and uh, Adam Hastings, because they 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 work putting the they, they they work distributing the ball. They don't tend to attack the line very much unless it's a kick over, or uh, you know, or or unless it's an intercept, for example. Uh, I was going to say, I would, I would argue Hastings is would just strong. But yeah. I think, well, I think he does it. He does it, but I, I think whenever Hastings... I, Hastings runs up a lot of blind alleys, but I take Craig's point that Kinghorn has the physical strength to break through the tackle. So you're almost playing with an extra set, crash ball centre. Yeah. Which yeah. Is yeah. Exactly. It's not, it's not yeah. saying... And I, I think that's the kind of the thing we have to realise, and it's not a bad thing for Scotland, that you, we've, I think Finn Russell and Adam Hastings, are, the, the, they have very strong similarities to one another. They're not, nobody's the same player. There are no player, two players that are identical, but you could, inter, you could play the same game plan with Adam Hastings and Finn Russell and Scotland wouldn't take a, a step backwards. I don't think you could play the same game plan with Blair Kinghorn. Mm-hmm. But that's not a bad thing. It just means you have to, you know, you have to play to the strengths of the people that are available or the strengths of the weaknesses of the team that are in front of you. So if playing with a, a ten that's going to do the same things as your other tens, but maybe also will break the line, that's an option. Hastings, My... Hastings beat the most defenders two years running in the Pro Fourteen. Both but is he do, no, he did. But, is, but, but, but when when he's beating defenders, is he doing it? I think he when he beats defenders, he's doing it with a step, isn't he? It's usually Whereas, a gap. It's usually spying a gap. Yes, gap, that's it. Whereas I think what what Kinghorn has done is is he's running directly, kind of yeah. through. It, he, he, does, he does have the physicality to do that, but no, yeah. I would yeah. I would say Kinghorn does beat the man on the outside more. Yeah. You also more you also have to look at that stat. 
And that's a great stat to quote. And I understand that stat. But Kinghorn's never been measured at 10 yet. Uh, no, in a, in a no that's true, but Kinghorn also won that stat the season before. So, you know, well, he, I, he is good. Yeah. I'm just saying he is good at being... I'm talking it, about at 10, though. In, in, in a running sense, we're saying that Hastings and Russell... Russell has a really good running game as well, but Hastings, for me, is the middleman in those three. Yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, right. Kinghorn can go... He's 6'5". <clears throat> he's built like a bloody train. He can go and run over the top of people if he wants. I think Kinghorn does have talent to come round men, I think he does that more often than not. I just don't want us to be getting caught in the idea of that Hastings and Russell don't run the ball because Hastings does, and he is very good at it. That's that's not really what I was what I was saying as such. I understand where you've got it from, John. I understand what you're saying. Um, I wasn't meaning that. I was meaning he's giving us. He he plays the ball quite differently compared to yeah, with it, Hastings he and. With these things in Russell, you've, it's like George Horn and Ali Price. You, you, if you have those two on the bench, you know, one of them on the bench, one of them starting, and then you take, for example, a Greg Laidlaw. Laidlaw yeah. would be put on the bench rather than George Horn because he brings a different a different nine depending on what the game is. I would agree with you. I think in terms of, the, if you're looking at it as a spectrum, I think you're absolutely right. Hastings is closer to Russell in terms mm. of the type of 10 that he is. Kinghorn's probably more of a, he does have that capacity to be brute force 10, and that's yeah. not a bad thing in the slightest. It's very good to have. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciate that, yeah, we, we were clearly just uh, getting caught up in the, 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 the running 10 debate. It's exciting, but, but I think, you know, the, 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 the point we have now, though, is that, again, we've said this before, and I don't really want to talk about Scotland right now because it's not. It's not time to do that yet, but within Scotland and within the Scottish setup now, we've gone from having Russell and Hastings coming through and then nobody else yeah. to, um, what, four? Very yeah. Four international standard. I would say four international standard tens and maybe five if you include Jacko in that. Well, you've also got Dunky Weir as well, you know. I said international standards. <laughs> I take it hogs in this for yeah. <laughs> See, this is we one thing on the flip side of running games. Uh, Kinghorn, I think the sort of big work on for him will be his kicking game. Yeah, oh, to yeah, develop yeah. a oh, more yeah. nuanced, certainly a more nuanced tactical kicking game. Because when, especially for like international level, even though we're not going to talk about internationals right now. Yeah, I think I think also. I mean, it's not passing as such, but I think it's just a little bit tightened up on the axis. One where he kind of threw it to, you know, Mish's laces at one point, but I think yeah. he was trying something else, and there was a bit of miscommunication. But that, again, we've said it before, that's all fixable, and they're small moments in what was a very good win and a dominant win for Edinburgh. Which, no matter how many people times Welsh people say this was has got nothing to do with Scottish rugby having some sort of m- magic money purse down the back of the sofa or <laughs> I was impressed with that I was charged. listening to that today I was impressed with that Scottish officials being in charge that was all down that was just Cardiff were very not, poor and Edinburgh did a, not as good as Edinburgh not as good I think the one no. thing I would say though is after Edinburgh got the bonus point they took the foot off the gas yeah. and it was only when Cardiff started to come back in it was it was positive to see Ember then kind of shaking themselves out of that kind of malaise they'd got themselves into of going, we've got this match won, let's just coast it out. 
we don't we've got nothing else to do here. We've got the bonus point win to go. No, hang on a minute. You know, we we've let them in with a really soft try. We need to tighten things up, and and, and we haven't always seen that from Scottish teams, John. No, I think I think it's absolutely fair. And I, so to be very clear, I watched the Glasgow game and the Edinburgh game on Saturday night at about one in the morning. So this and I didn't intend to watch the Edinburgh game, but I put it on and I was enjoying it. So I stick I stuck with it and I regretted it on Sunday because I was very tired. But <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it was it was it was it was night and day from previous seasons where obviously I've been very critical of Edinburgh in terms of that ability to show leadership on the park and really just kind of centre themselves and say, right, okay, yeah, things maybe haven't, we've, we've, we're miles ahead, things haven't went our way for the last 10, 15 minutes, right, let's just park that and go again. And they showed that, and I think you're absolutely right to mention it, and I'm sure the coaches are mentioned, I'm sure the players are very aware of it, like, there's no, no better feeling for a club that when you get ahead, you get your bonus point, and then you just absolutely stamp on the throat some more and really put forward that you are a dominant side. You're not going to be, you're not going to take your foot off the gas. You're not going to be bullied. And you rack up those 40, 50 points and start to really hammer teams. That's really important. Um, It really sets your kind of stall out. And, you know, we are... We are in a situation where the Irish teams are still considering, like, you know, let's let's actually be clear about this. Welsh teams think they're better than us, but they're really not. They're 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 bang average sides that we are better than. And this weekend, we we showed that both clubs absolutely pummeled Welsh opposition, and it should have been much more from both sides. The Irish teams are ahead of us, and the only time you're you only. They're only going to start to give you that respect if you start absolutely gubbing the teams. And the phrase I said before on here, teams you expect to beat, teams we should expect to beat. And that should include your Benettons. It should include your, you know, your South African teams. We should be expecting, as a confident, competent team, we should be expecting to pummel these sides. And then the Irish will start to respect us. And we can forget about the Welsh punditry because they will get a mention soon. <laughs> well, the entire pay, Patreon pay, podcast is moaning about Welsh rugby. And... Pay your three pounds a month <laughs> and get strap in and get ready for some fun, guys. Yeah. Go on, Craig. I was going to say anything else in Ember, but I'll let you have a final word on this. Yeah, it was great to see Glenn Young get his first his first uh, his first cap um, for Edinburgh. Um, it was great to see him come on. He, he did a good job. Um, and also, uh, someone's going to have to have a word with Charlie Sheil and tell him how to get his bottoms off when he's uh, when he's ready to come <laughs> in the park. Because I think they were it got to a point where Velico had to go back on the field. Had to go until back on the field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, until Bennett scored a try, and it's like right, finally, while well, he's uh, Buffelli's lining up the kick, you can take your trousers yeah, off. Buffelli, we need you to take at least a minute and a half here, mate, because idiot features here kind of get his. Tell you what, though, I'll tell you what, like, that, well, you've, you, uh, and we'll talk about Glasgow in a minute about their. Their inspirational signings, but I'll tell you what, you know, Buffelli and Mariano have been a phenomenal pair of, of, of you know, picking great, them great up. Signings. Yeah. Great signings. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's really, um, and it's good to see, I think it was, uh, what's it, is it Matt's, Matt, uh, the young lad, Matt Curry? 
Um, and you're talking about another Chris Harris. He's he's been signed his first professional contract, and uh, um, I uh, he, or he's re-signed. I think he's come out of the academy, and he's um, oh, really excited. He was playing Super Six, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for Curry Chieftains, I think it was. No, he played for Curry. Did he play for Curry, Curry Chieftains, and then he's he's moved on. To, anyway, he's he's there's a there's someone who I think could be. Um, uh, could be a Chris Harris, you know, a, a, a replacement for, for Chris Harris further down the road. Give me the short term signing from Super Six, uh, Fraser Rennick. Yeah, the hooker. The hooker, yeah, for McAnally. Uh, McAnally's injured. Again. Um, Dave Cherry's not doing himself any favours, though, smashing his head into, um, into both of them. <laughs> no, his whole, whole career is built on the idea that his face is beautiful. He should not be putting his face in anywhere near that sort of peril. Yeah, he had the, he had the housewives recoiling, recoiling in horror with that, that face getting pummeled. <laughs> yeah. I tell you. The great, greatest moment I ever had at rugby training was with my shaved head. I had a Scotland top on, and one of the young guys in the team said, "You look like just like Dave Cherry from behind." And I was like, <laughs> "That's me, made it, mate. That's me, made it." <laughs> There's plenty of ladies that would you know would take that, John. <laughs> take it from behind. Oh, no. yeah, oh it's carry on rugby. I and oh. I implied Ian, you had to say it. <laughs> Just shy of Patreon as well, Ian here. I know. I know anyway, I this is fine. Innuendo's fine pre-watershed, didn't we? Innuendo's fine. Hi, hi jo- Johnny. Johnny. Johnny's joined us. I feel like I, I reckon Johnny, Johnny doesn't go to training, does it? Craig, you need to tell us, does Johnny go to training or does he just sit in his house until we finish the Ember chat and then just log <laughs> on? Well, you know, from what from what I can tell um, and considering the amount of miles that he's put onto the uh, onto the Doddy app, I think he's cheating like hell. So uh, yeah, I, think he, I think he's all myth and no choosers. Uh, do you want me to tell you how far I ran at training, Craig? Another 2.1 miles there. That's he walked up and did the side of the pitch shouting at folk. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> Stood at the back as a fullback and said, "You're doing it all wrong." You're very clear. Is so the the beverage that you're consuming there, Johnny? That was that just water or was that some sort of protein paste? It was a, it was a protein shake. Don't make a big thing about it. It was my post training protein shake. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, to be brutally honest, he's making it train, and I'm not. So uh, all power to him. I'm, I'm a protein shake for two point odd miles. Does this count as a protein shake? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> protein in that. It's made full, of full, actual. It says actual it's full-bodied and full-flavored, John. Yeah. Have you checked him for like like your your vegetarianism? That it isn't. Yeah, uh, like seventy-six percent cow. <laughs> <laughs> Bovril infused beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I bought some Bovril. I love a Bovril in winter. I bought some Bovril the other day. I'm very pleased. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one for Might one for the Patreon. Actually. I can see Johnny sitting there looking at his shakes thinking, that did taste a bit beefy. Outrageous. This is original Scottish premium beer, but it's canned in Wolverhampton. Whoa! <laughs> oh man, I tell you. Oh, Angus Thompson with the win right there. <laughs> McCoons. <McEwen's. laughs> well done, Angus. Wonderful, well done, glorious. Let's talk about Glasgow then. Hey. Oh. 
Maybe I timed it better than I thought. Yeah, there you go. So Glasgow, um, do you want to start off with some? I mean, it it was a very good win, uh, Ian. Should we start off with some positives? Because <laughs> because the discipline was shocking. But let's let's talk about. Well, some that's good just the standard now. Um, and we did, well, that's a hell of a like it's like standard set. Like we're just going to be crap in defence, concede loads of penalties, but just hope we score more points. Well, we've only conceded one more penalty than Edinburgh over the season, interestingly enough. <laughs> well, I was looking yeah. that up, but yeah. Um, so we're uh, we're twelfth and Edinburgh eleventh, uh, worst. Uh, but it's where point. you're conceding the penalties, I would argue. Uh, true, like regaining but... possession on your own trial and then somehow giving away a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a high risk, high high risk, high rewards. The um. Sander looks like he's thinned down, but somehow he's lost the the ability to roll away. I think it'd make it easier. He was being pinned in. Slides for tea. Excuse us. That's Sander Slander. That is Sander Slander, no. But yeah. it is, I mean, Glasgow seem to have really kind of gelled in the last, oh, I was going to say the last, you know, the last couple of games. It's been, you know, obviously we've had the break and stuff, so it's going to be good for the confidence coming in after that. Kind of breaking and hitting the ground running like that. Yeah, everything just seems to, well. Now that we have a settled halfback combination, who are playing with confidence and now know their systems, and the signings we have made have fit in perfectly. Um, I mean, but Josh McKay's only played like four games, and he's already like that. He very rarely makes mistakes. That kick he did was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, see that one the outside. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, um. You know, Cole Forbes. Since he's come in, we've you know we've uh, praised him. Sam Johnson looks in really good form, and Sione Tuipilotto is just an absolute wrecking ball. Um, it's you know his two finishes were incredible. I mean, we were talking about Cardiff's poor defending. I don't think Ospreys were up to much either. Um, I really enjoyed did... how Anscombe was getting. So your boy, your numpty Holly on the comms was giving it he was absolutely all about he was like paid up member of the Gareth Anscombe Appreciation Society and he's giving it wax and lyrical just as Chupoloto just absolutely smashes him out the road and it's like no 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 you're not having this today mate sit down but he did not if it was like Johnny in defence he did not fancy the tackle <laughs> does it does a skills coach teach tackling because if they do Ospreys should get one. <laughs> <laughs> you would imagine a defence coach should teach, or is it a, is it like a Paolo Maldini style like defence where it's all about positioning, and if you have to make a tackle, you've made a mistake. Do you think you got you got? I would have thought that kind of going into training with Alan when Jones the the Monday after the game would be enough to like skip put the frighteners on anybody to make the tackles during come the game. On, come on, Cammy. Video Everyone knows Alan and Jones has never been near the Ospreys for about seventeen years. Just <laughs> <laughs> he does the train, he just turns up. Just, uh, turns up the and then walks away again. He goes in the cryogenic chamber for a couple of months and then you know, gets wheeled His out. Contract like... with the Ospreys actually has a big X through it and it just says Wales. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those uh, those uh, big orcs, you know, the, the the ones that they birth out the bags out the, out the <laughs> and they just go out right, pierce the bag, he's coming out now, right? Okay, and have to go out and get him, and yeah, <laughs> send him on his way. Yeah, 
No, no, Alvin Jones clearly does not have the influence at the Ospreys that we we might have thought he might. Um, yeah, the, the Ospreys were terrible. Like, let's let's be really frank about it. They were really poor, really poor, um, and it was surprising as well because actually they were quite a high league position again. I would probably go back to this argument regarding the fixture layout and certain teams are benefiting from early season fixtures being a certain way. The Ospreys are one of those sides. They look much better than they are. Apparently, they hadn't conceded many scrum penalties. Don't see how. Uh, their, their props were mints, but, you know, that's fine. Um, so, you know, again, like I think the result Glasgow put past them I would fully expect Edinburgh to put that amount of points past them. I would fully expect the Irish teams to double that based on what they were capable of. I think they're a very poor side. And Glasgow did leave a lot of points out there. And let's I'm not being negative. This is like, you know, I think it's a great result, a great victory. I was more than happy watching it. But if you're being critical, they left at least three tries out there. I think we... I suppose, Johnny, is it they, they left tries out there, but they also let tries in yeah. or let points in. And that's that's going to, you know, 19 points is a big ask. To, I know they've scored 38 points, but if you're letting the other team score 19, that's a big ask for you to get beyond that level yourself in any other game. Yeah. Until 60 or 65 minutes, that game was a lot closer on the scoreboard than it should have been. Like, I think Glasgow probably had the better of Ospreys in in pretty much every facet. The the scrum was pretty dominant. Rory Darge was basically unstoppable. Same with Sioni too, below two. But we just kept giving away penalties that kept them in the game. And to be honest, our decision-making sometimes when we had the ball wasn't great either. We... There was a there was a bit just at the start of the second half, I think, where we we had a couple of two or three penalties in a row. We kept kicking to the corner, and we're getting really nothing out of it. And I was starting to get a bit twitchy at that point because I thought another three points probably would have just settled it and get ourselves back under control. But uh, yeah. Kicked to the corner, nothing really came of it. Ospreys cleared the lines, gave away another penalty, kicked to the corner again, nothing came of that. I think we did score a try not long after it, but I don't think it was related to those penalties. So, um, there yeah, was, it, I, was, feel... I, was, I was dubious about Fraser Brown's try because I'm not entirely sure that was a legal mall given where he peeled off from with the ball and the way the mall was set up. I'm not entirely sure he was technically... Because you're supposed to bind beyond the last man. And it looked to me like there was a lot of people bound behind him. Yeah. Craig will know about that more than better than me, but yeah, it didn't look exactly I didn't, legal. I didn't really want I, I was I was kind of staying off that because I don't want to be labelled as trying to be negative about Glasgow all the time. Um it was just great to see Fraser Brown back on the field. But yeah, um it was at that it was borderline. Um and I'm surprised it wasn't well. It's, it's, I think it's open to the, I guess it's like the, the, the scrum penalties as well. It's open to the referees, the referees, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, his his view of the game as such. Interpretation. Thank you, Ian. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think it, it, it's one of those things. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, Rory Darge was, was actually... Um, it was a shame he didn't get uh, man of the match because I think he was 
he, he was one of the best players on the field. Him at George Turner again, um, looking absolutely like you say, Ellis Gens is a baby rhino. My goodness, so is he. Um, and 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 you know, if we could, hopefully, he, if we could get him away from 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 the the penalties and the the, the 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 wee mistakes that he makes, he's going to be a phenomenal hooker for Scotland. Um, he already is a very very good hooker for Scotland, um, but uh, I think he's, you know, um, he he played incredibly well. And then Josh Mackay, just you know, four games and he's just gone, boom. Yeah, uh uh-huh, I've been here all my time. You know, he looks like he's been there for many. He's, he's a centurion at Glasgow. You know, he's a the, fantastic the, the difference in class and the, the players like Josh Mackay who come over with a pedigree. You know, we've we've brought over New Zealanders in the past who've come over and they're being all blacks and they've kind of come into the both clubs and they've not necessarily hit the hit any sort of form. With him, you just saw it from moment one. Just the absolute assurance he has, and he's just like, yeah, and. I love the way that guys like him, Cole Forbes is another one, but, you know, they just come over and they seem to really enjoy their rugby. And he seems to just be really enjoying what he's doing, even in the short, short time he's been playing. Um, he just kind of loves what he's doing and it's just so, he's so confident and that only benefits Scottish rugby. Like, people talk about foreign imports and the difference they make and, oh, they're keeping these boys out of the team and blah, blah, blah. They're upping those boys' level because if you are looking as a fullback to try and get, as a young player, to try and get any sort of level in Scottish rugby, look at guys like Josh McKay, look at what he does, look at the confidence he has. It, it only benefits both both sides um, in Scottish rugby. Yeah. I think the it's the curse of the All Blacks because... Anybody who's come across and played for Glasgow or Edinburgh who has come from New Zealand but isn't an all-black has generally done quite well, if not really well. Yep. Anybody that's come across as an all-black has been absolutely pish. Part, I can't part, think part of a sing- Todd Blackadder. Yeah. He's, that, he's that, probably the only one that I would, I would be okay with. I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody. I think of anybody that's got an All Blacks cap that's cut apart from Todd Blackadder that's come across and played in Scotland. They've 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 all roundly been not lived up to the promise. I mean, Wheeler was a talent. You know, he he had one really good game for his one game that he played, but but that's because we can only afford the pish ones. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought Corey Flynn was maybe starting to come on to a game, then he left. No, he played like no. one. He played one good game away at Ospreys, and I thought this is it. This is the turning point. This is where we'll see the, the you know, the All Black. And then, oh wait, he's away. All right. No, I mean, unfortunately, the pattern of what had happened before maybe oh, stood against a... his yes. his one good game. <laughs> yeah, I I I always tell the story about Corey and his throwing uh, and warm up against. It was one of the Italian sides. Him and Pat MacArthur are warming up together, and I feared for the crowd because he was throwing <laughs> into the main stand in Scotston, and not one of them hit Pat MacArthur. Pretty <laughs> uh, sure, like I'm like. 50 rows back and I'm pretty sure it nearly hit me at one point <laughs> dreadful um, anything else on Glasgow then from anybody it's my still only, all going to fall apart 
Well, my, my, only, my only concern for Glasgow now is they're, they're starting to become a really feared team. I think I, I think they're, they're going to be, they're, they're becoming a very very strong team. My only concern is for next season uh, and the row options, because if 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 the jungle drums are telling us one thing um, that uh, that that you're going to be down a very promising Scotland player, um, and he's going off to a different place, um, and then obviously uh, Richie Gray's contract. Is coming up fairly soon, is it not? Richie Gray is probably away at the end of the season. We all know yeah. that. Do you yeah. think so? Um, yeah, no, he is. He's away. He's been replaced by the big South African boy from Sale. Yeah, Janse van Rensburg. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it depends if we've got if you've got some uh, fantastic rowers coming through from the academy and stuff like that. But they they're going to have to to to, to buy buy in another another rower. I would have thought with all their money that they're getting for for Cummings. Do you know, I think, I think actually, oh, I take your point, and but so one of the things I was going to say about Rob Harley, Rob Harley can't continue to play. At the <laughs> one, one, one of the things I was going to say about Scottish rugby is, yes, um, forward players win matches and backs decide how, how by how many. But so thinking about someone like we mentioned one year earlier on, we mentioned the women's game. Thinking about. Guys like Johnny Gray, who's rumoured he's out of contract in the, the season, rumoured to be angling for a move back back north. It's almost like guys like that who cost that level of money. Like Johnny Gray will not win you a game necessarily unless he's tackling forty three people in a match. He and won that other game at Leinster because he tackled forty three people in a match. He does yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> he does that, correct. But you look at young guys like, like say a Rufus McLean or something like that, like a moment of magic where you're scoring seven points. Johnny Gray very rarely scores you seven points. Yes, he saves you seven points quite he a lot. He scored a hat-trick a couple of weeks ago. I know! Yeah. And where did that come from? He doesn't even know where that came from. Yeah, he looked really embarrassed about it too. He was completely confused. He was like, why wasn't I tackling people? That was weird. It doesn't feel right. So, I think like the players that have been rumoured to leave Glasgow, I think in some ways, there is not like-for-like like replacements. That's not fair. There's guys that are very talented who may replace them. I just feel like, you know, when you lose a Stuart Hogg or you lose a Finn Russell, it's a replacement you just you just can't replace. You, you can't do like-for-like. Like. It's not going to happen. Whereas these guys, you could probably get as close to a similar replacement within a budget without necessarily breaking strides all that much. So I'm less concerned about it this time. I still you, think the wrong guys at the helm, though. Are you, Look, sla- are you slandering forwards players here, John? Yeah, he's basically going saying to, forwards don't matter. Absolutely. I'm going to... Look, I'm going to. I think we'll we'll carry on this discussion in Patreon because I've got some heavy stats to hit you with on on how vital different positions ring are. Ring it, ring it. Um, very quickly, Johnny. Before we go for the main podcast and before we go to our Patreon, we've got an update on Doddy Aid. So we've got our. Yeah. Um, you, like you, you can join if, you, if you're not if you're doing Doddy Aid, please join our league, which is Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, Ian McGilps in the lead. He's done 238.02 miles. I'm assuming he's on a bike. Bike being on a bike's cheating. You might as well be in a car. That's my view on it. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial as it is. I'll do that. I'm. Do you know? I'm on a. Do you know? I'm, I'm I'm quite low down. I was doing well until everybody else signed up for it. Basically, I'm walking the kids to school and back, which is about a mile round trip. And somehow I'm not winning this. I'm furious. I've done 15 <laughs> miles or something. <laughs> and half of them was because the app broke early on and said I was doing double my mileage. Um, but, so Ian McGilp's in the lead. Uh, he's got 238. 
got Fraser Chrisholm, who's, I, I believe, threatening to go skiing to get some of his miles, which again... He is currently skiing. That's but why he, don't um, you just... I can, I'm just going to start recording the miles I do in the car. I know that's... I'm, I'm with you, Craig. Absolutely. <laughs> here we go. The Thistle have signed up. They're in fourth position on ours, right? Now, I, I think we should split theirs by three because there's three of them, so they can't not having that. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. Ron Wilson, well done, Ron Wilson. He's third now. Ron is also, I believe, signed up to be a five pound Patreon. So, hello to Ron Wilson. Hey, Hi, Ron. Ron. Hey. Um, Ron. Johnny, though, is um, if you are in our league, get in touch with Johnny on Twitter, which is at Johnny Forms, um, and let him know which region you want to represent. And Johnny's keeping a spreadsheet so we can do our own region or uh, league because um, the app won't let us do it. So, which district? For our league is in the lead at the moment, Johnny. Very, very upsettingly, Barbarians are way out in the lead. They've got uh, over twice as many miles as the next nearest district. And they have both Ian McGilp and Ron Wilson in their district. That's why. Those two are accounting for 370 miles of their 465 miles between the two of them. So they're banned then. So what we're saying is they don't... Um, and I'm next. Northern Midlands is next. 219.97. This is as of four o'clock this afternoon, by the way. I did it when I finished uni. So if you've done any this evening, they're not on there yet. How, how many um, of those miles did you account for, Johnny? Uh, I'm 30. There's only three people of in the district. the 219 miles. Yep. Who, who See, I've, still, I've, I've still got the most out of any of us, by the way. Just before I, you... Yeah, really? he's been recording yourself on the train. He's been on the train <laughs> and he's just been recording his miles. He said he was. He was. He said he was. He was on the train earlier on, didn't he? He was. He was. He was. He was behind me for many ages and ages, and then all of a sudden, fifteen miles just appeared over my bike. Aye. Uh, see, everyone's getting the bikes out now. Yeah, I it's think an electric. We... It's an electric bike as well. It's one of those ones you just sit on and just let it go along. I've got, I've got a, I've got a petrol powered bike that sits right out there. I'll go and use, and we'll, we'll see. Then my, uh, we'll see, Johnny boy. My wife's got me out fixing her bike tomorrow morning because she's yeah, furious but, about how far down the lead she is. Tell your wife to get a move on. She's in Glasgow as well. I was going to she's she's, ca- she's carrying your district. Just Wait, can I just say, how, <laughs> hey, Johnny? Is it just me and one other person in the south? Uh, yeah, so right, okay. There, <laughs> there are forty. There are forty-one people in our league, and I've only heard from or can see on the, the picture sixteen people to tell what district they're in. So this right. could if all you're change. in our league, or if you're not in our league and you're from the represent the South Scotland district, <laughs> please join our league because honestly, I'm not going to do this alone. Um, you know, the most I'll, I'll tell you, we've got we've got three North and Mids, so me and two others. Two for the South, three for Glasgow, three for Edinburgh, and uh, Steph from Rock and Roll's got five people in his Barbarians district, and so that's why he's winning, despite the fact he's only done six miles. Who's, who's the other he, Glasgow person? Uh, Scott Brown. Where are you, Scott? Scott Brown, so, 13 miles. Scott, sort it out. Come on. Up, uh, John, you're actually the, you're the only person that's leading their district. I know. Miles. That's ridiculous. Have you seen this guy? Come on, sort this out, guys. I can't we believe I've done more miles than Steph by just walking the kids to school and back. It's literally at the end of my road. Steph, to be fair, was in COVID isolation, so, <laughs> so he hasn't done a huge amount. To be fair, fair, fair enough. But then actually, I think Ian McGilp was in COVID isolation as well, and he's on 240 miles. Yeah, so He's clearly well. some sort of ultra-marathon runner that runs up <laughs> mountains on his hands or some nonsense. Well, 
look, Ian, tell, tell me go, how we, you do it. Look, we still need in, about 30 people who are already in the league to tell me what district they're in so we can find out yeah. who's really so right. if you're in the yeah, yeah, do let Johnny know so we can we can tie that up. Um, and you know, hopefully the south will rise again if we can get some people signed <laughs> up for that. Um, get the fan out, Craig. <laughs> we're gonna have some southern nice chat in the patreon anyway so we can get a second shot of that um look that's it for us for this week for the main podcast if you're a patreon listener um you will get a bonus podcast if you're watching live and you're patreon on the patreon streams then just hang around and we'll uh we'll catch up with you very soon but for the moment it's goodbye from me and goodbye from john craig johnny and ian bye ciao bye, bye.